Well, friends, brothers and sisters, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's very own peace to all of you. And now, good and gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of your children here together be found pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in our text this morning, the one that Zena just read from Luke's gospel, we uh, find ourselves still at the same revival meeting as last week, uh, in which Jesus is speaking to us from a wide open plain. Whereas Matthew has Jesus delivering this message from up on a mountain way above us, Luke brings Jesus down. He comes to where we are to share with us from God's very own heart. And so we're having this revival meeting, and at the meeting we've, we've taken a break. We spread out our blankets and opened up our picnic baskets for a little dinner on the grounds, but the fried chicken has gone cold, and our sandwiches remain half eaten, because what Jesus has just said to us, the text we read last week, has upended the order of things. Blessed are you who are poor, and woe to you who are rich. Lots of muttering now at the picnic. Who does he think he is? But as it turns out, Jesus' next words are even harder to hear. I say to you, he said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Dorothy Sayers once said, if I were a minister called upon to preach, I would get up and say simply, you people know the gospel. You know what to do. Why don't you go home and do it? She couldn't have been thinking about this text when she said that, love your enemies, right? I have to confess, I struggle with this one. I've said before here, there are two axioms for living that I'm particularly fond of. First, never judge an enemy until you've walked a mile in his shoes. That way, he's a mile away from you and you have his shoes. And the other, never go to bed angry. Instead, stay up and plot your revenge. <laughs> I know some of you struggle with this too. You've read the Bible. You know what Jesus requires of us. But maybe someone has done something to you that has hurt you so badly. What your enemy has done has damaged you so harshly that you just can't find it in you to, to love that person and to, to do good to the one who has hurt you. And maybe some of you in this room are even tempted to say, you know what, I simply can't deal with this part of the gospel. I, I may have to live under judgment. I, I'm not sure I can let this word into my life. I cannot love this enemy. But you know, I think maybe it's people who've been plowed under like that who actually have the best chance of understanding what genuine love for an enemy might mean and what it doesn't mean. Real love isn't pasting on a smile. It's not saying everything's all right. It's not always taking somebody back. 
When Jesus called us to love the enemy, he was inviting us to walk beside him on a very long road. And today, I'm simply calling us all back to the road to invite you as Christ invites us all to take steps we need to take today so that we can take a few more steps tomorrow and the next day and the next. Revenge retaliation. They've been part of the human drama since the beginning. We have an insatiable appetite for settling scores and watching scores be settled. But I say to you, said Jesus, do good to those who hate you, bless and do not curse, pray for those who abuse. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer the other one. If someone takes your coat, Give them your shirt. Now you know that even the strictest interpreters of the Bible know that there are portions of Scripture you can't take literally every time, right? So what about these words? I'd like to call a timeout for just a minute and be reminded of this. Jesus did not say, if you see someone mistreating a child, look the other way. If your spouse abuses you, tolerate it. If you're being beat up by a bully at school, stand there and take it. If scammers, swindlers come after you, make yourself an easy target. Jesus doesn't speak these words, turn the other cheek, as a call for his followers to become victims. If, if you are being abused in some relationship, he is not calling you to stay in the abuse. The Spirit of God delivers people from abuse. Now, it's true that Jesus himself did allow his enemies to do him harm, but always on his terms, not theirs. No one takes my life from me, he once said. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, he said, and I have the power to take it up again. He's not calling us to be victims. What Jesus is calling us to do in this text is to break the cycle of retaliation by offering a surprise of love. See, it's always in the nature of violence to escalate. Your hostility feeds mine, and mine feeds yours, and the cycle gets rolling, and on and on and on it goes. And the people who were listening to Jesus on the plane that day would have been very familiar with this kind of reciprocity. It was built into their Bible. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Luke doesn't record Jesus quoting that law as Matthew does. But all the people listening that day would have been steeped in it. It's in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth was part of Israel's earliest law code. It was also part of the Babylonian code of Hammurabi. And it was a good law in that it aimed to limit the escalation of revenge. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth was, was given with, with equal retaliation in mind rather than increased retaliation. So, you know, I, I guess that's something. By the way, the Old Testament code also includes this phrase, a life for a life. That's Exodus 21, 23. Jesus didn't quote that part. 
Jesus never quoted any teaching from the Torah that advocates killing. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that's pure justice. This is just a matter of fighting fair. But then Jesus comes along and he says, friends, fairness is not enough. Because even when you're fair, which you almost never are, even when you're fair, all you're doing is creating more and more of the same stuff in the world. Retaliation doesn't change things, only love has the power to change something that's fundamentally broken between two people, between nations. Jesus said, when the cycle of rage comes rolling at you, don't help it along. Interrupt the cycle. Offer not evil for evil, but a surprise of good. So the question is, how? How do we do this? In this age of, of, of national and global polarizations and the daily ugliness that plays out all over social media, how do we break the cycle? I was reading a sermon this week, and this is what the preacher said. The air these days fairly crackles with hostility. The icy winds of enmity penetrate all our relationships. Nation is set upon nation, ideology against ideology, race against race, class against class, generation against generation, citizen against citizen. The preacher said, strife is king and its reign appears secure for years to come. His words could have been preached this very morning. In fact, it was delivered on November 24th, 1968 at the Riverside Church in Manhattan by the pastor at that time, Ernest T. Campbell, who also was an activist for civil rights, migrant workers, the LGBT community, and a humane national budget five decades ago. Campbell said in that sermon that day that what followers of Jesus need to develop in times of great hostility is what he called the ministry of absorption. The ministry of absorption. In other words, we need to learn how to receive anger without shooting it back. To take it and not return it, but even to bear some of it in ourselves. Christ is calling his people to the courage of hearing, understanding, and of bearing anger more than firing it. That's how he changed the world. And at the end of his life, vicious people lied about him, struck him, spit on him, killed him. But in the words of Peter, when he was insulted, he didn't insult. When he suffered, he didn't threaten revenge, but bore it all on a cross. And friends, that's how we got healed. And that's how people like us, if we belong to Christ, accomplish in his name some healing on this earth. A young woman coming out of her teenage years said these words. She said, the most loving thing my parents ever did for me was to let me hate them. 
Do you have it in you to absorb hate without returning it? It's hard. When hostility comes at you to try to hear it, understand it, to take it to Jesus and be partners with him in bearing away the sins of the world. Now, it's important to stress this morning that absorbing hostility isn't enough. If all you do is take it, then what you've done is the passive thing. And Jesus didn't encourage passiveness. He didn't. Which is why he did not say, if someone hits you, just take it. What he said was, if someone hits you, turn and offer him or her the other side of your face. Take a brave initiative. Offer a surprise of love to someone who has hurt you. And maybe turning the cheek is the way Christ people say, we don't run from conflict, we face it. And when we do, we don't react, we don't respond, meeting rage, not with reflex rage or reflex fear, but with non-anxious freedom, freedom, even to love those who hurt you. Anybody in this room feel that free? And so now in this message at the picnic, at the dinner on the grounds and the revival, on the plane, Jesus at last speaks that word. It's the first time in Luke's gospel that he uses the word love. Maybe he waited until here because he knew that if he said it any sooner, we'd leap right into the same old romantic nonsense that we always associate with the word love and completely miss his point. What is love? Love is not nice feelings. Love is not wanting to make everybody happy. Love is doing the right thing. Love is doing the thing that stands the best chance of leading someone into health and into life. And Jesus said, if you're my people, you do that, not just for folk who are easy for you to love, but also for people who are painful for you to love. Anybody can act with love towards someone who loves them back. Big deal. Anyone can say, love your neighbor, especially if their neighbors are nice. But I say to you, said Jesus, I say to you, love your enemies. Do the right thing, the most creative, loving things for the ones who've done you wrong. Fifty-four years ago, this next month, a group of 600 people in Selma, Alabama, mostly black people, joined by a few white people, marched for their freedom. At the Edmund Pettus Bridge, they were met by a line of law officers who told them to turn back. And the marchers said, we've come too far to turn back now. And they got down on their knees in prayer and the police clubbed them and kicked them and tear gassed them while they prayed, while they took it and somehow turned it. And a nation watched and trembled. Our moments won't be 
nearly that dramatic. Coming at us mostly will be the daily ordinary animosity that stings and slaps and infuriates with its persistent pettiness. But where there are people of Christ who will meet their enemies with courage to pray and the strength to love and the nerve to embrace, there will be more healing of hearts and minds and relationships than we ever thought possible. Friends, let's not pretend we're any good at this. We're not. I'm not. Let's confess we have no strength for this. We don't. But above all, let's never doubt that the love of Christ in us is able to transform the world. Didn't the Apostle Paul remind us that while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ? So this is my call for us this morning. Would would you surprise somebody, maybe even this very week, with the Christ that's in you? And you might be, sooner than you imagine, surprised by the Christ in them. Friends, may God make it so. Amen. Gracious God, give us the grace to respond to you honestly and with the courage of your spirit. We don't pretend to have the strength in ourselves to love our enemies, but you have promised the strength of your spirit to help us, and so we say thanks. And, oh God, for the gift of your mercy that set us free, we offer all the gratitude that's ours to give. In your good and holy name we pray. Amen.